Super Bowl weekend is upon us, and in case you weren't paying attention, well, an NBA team just swapped you with the trade deadline for a protected second-round pick in 2037. Welcome to SBJ's Morning Buzzcast for Friday, February 9th. On the dawn of the NFL's first Super Bowl in Las Vegas, it's worth reflecting how we got here. Only a dozen years ago, in 2012, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell wrote in a court filing opposing the repeal of PASPA with an off-quoted line, the spread of sports betting, including the introduction of sports betting as proposed by the state of New Jersey, threatens to damage irreparably the integrity of and public confidence in NFL football. As recently as May 2018, a Vegas Super Bowl was still unthinkable. The Supreme Court overturned PASPA on May 14th that year, the pivotal moment permitting states to decide whether to legalize sports betting, while Vegas, of course, already permitted it, that more widespread adoption was critical to the NFL changing its attitude. Also of note, just nine days after SCOTUS's PASPA decision, the NFL awarded Super Bowl 58, the one to be played in February 24, that's just about to be held, to the city of New Orleans. That all changed in 2020 when the NFL and NFLPA agreed to extend the regular season to a 17th game, thereby delaying the postseason a week. The Super Bowl is a big deal and all, but New Orleans now had a conflict with Mardi Gras, so its hosting duties got pushed back a year, opening a window for another city. Only on December 15, 2021, did the NFL grant Las Vegas and Allegiant Stadium the big game we're about to play. A 26-month lead time that qualifies as a rapid turnaround by league standards, although hardly the whiplash-inducing change that the NFL has had in its views toward betting. Very soon after Vegas got the Super Bowl, CBS began making its site visits, led by Executive Vice President of Operations and Engineering Patty Power, who has made a half-dozen trips in the past two years to plan everything, a totality that includes four CBS departments broadcasting live from the city, across three linear channels, now that Nickelodeon is carrying an alt-cast, as well as across its streaming network. My colleague Rob Schaefer will have a rundown of the novel Nickelodeon production on SBJ later today. And in Ben Fisher's invaluable football newsletter last night, he noted that Univision is also pulling its own double duty, as it is the Spanish-language broadcaster in the U.S. and the rights holder for Mexico. And those operations are more distinct than you'd imagine, with 160 total staff on site, 90 for the U.S. production in Spanish and 70 for what's being seen in Mexico, which is now being produced off the global feed. Back to CBS for a moment. This is its record 22nd Super Bowl broadcast. This one will feature 165 cameras, of which 48 have super slow-mo capabilities, and 24 have 4K zoom. This is the first Super Bowl with cameras embedded in the uprights, the so-called doink cameras for the sound kickers hope to avoid. There will be eight aerial viewpoints from sky camps, fly camps, and drones. Six broadcast sets. Patty Power's predecessor at CBS, Ken Igard, who now lives in Vegas and was on the Super Bowl host subcommittee, couldn't have been more complimentary of her, calling her a phenomenon who was, quote, doing the job far better than I ever could have. He told an amusing story about his son, then a young teen, was asked by a friend what his dad for a living. Rather than attempt to explain the intricacies of the operation, Igard's son replied, he gets stuff done. Igard appreciated that sentiment and told me Patty Power has taken that philosophy to its greatest heights. She really gets things done. In other words, expect a strong broadcast on Sunday, given her credentials and those of executive producer Harold Bryant, with whom she works very closely. The NFL handed out its end-of-season hardware last night. The Ravens' Lamar Jackson, as expected, was MVP, and nearly unanimously so. 
The 49ers' Christian McCaffrey was Offensive Player of the Year. The Browns' Miles Garrett was Defensive Player of the Year. The Texans swept the Rookies of the Year with C.J. Stroud on offense and Will Anderson on defense, while the Browns' Kevin Stefanski narrowly beat their coach, D'Amico Ryans, for Coach of the Year. QB Joe Flacco was Comeback Player of the Year, despite Bill's safety DeMar Hamlin getting 21 first-place votes to Flacco's 13. But Hamlin somehow wasn't named anywhere on eight of the ballots and fell behind on overall points. One noteworthy development as a result of Chiefs tight ends Travis Kelsey's exponential growth in popularity as he dates Taylor Swift is that he's become a betting favorite, according to a story by ESPN, which shared that at Caesars, more wagers have been placed on Kelsey to score a touchdown than bets have been placed on the favorite 49ers to win. Also in that report, at DraftKings, other than Mahomes and Purdy, twice as many people had bet on Kelsey to be MVP than anyone else. As the VP of Trading at Caesars told ESPN, a good day for Kelsey is a bad day for the books. We'll also see the remaining roster of Super Bowl commercials, which were fetching as much as $7 million for a 30-second ad. More than 30 have already been shared online. As a business professional, I completely understand wanting to maximize the exposure of your investment. As the kid who only made bathroom trips during halftime and maybe during extra points so that I wouldn't miss a commercial, well, that part of me is a bit disappointed, not waiting to see it live on Sunday. As more than a few have pointed out online, we're going to have a lot of TV show reunions in this year's ads, with characters from Friends, 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, Scrubs and Suits getting back together. Many of the usual brands will be featured, such as Anheuser-Busch, PepsiCo, E-Trade, Coca-Cola, and Mars M&Ms. Among the debutantes this year are Kawasaki, Popeyes, Pluto TV, Stoke Cold Brew, and Nick's Professional Makeup. Activity was furious at the NBA trade deadline, but the star power was a bit lacking, as solid contributors were the main currency. Among the more recognizable names changing addresses, Boyan Bogdanovich went from the Pistons to the Knicks, Gordon Hayward from the Hornets to the Thunder, Patrick Beverly from the 76ers to the Bucks, and Buddy Heald went from the Pacers to the 76ers for a package that included Marcus Morris, who just last month received a key to the city of Philadelphia. At least you can come back and visit. A week after the NHL said it would permit its players to return to competition for the next two Olympiads, yesterday USA Hockey reaffirmed Minnesota Wild General Manager Bill Guerin as the GM of the U.S. team first for the NHL's new Four Nations Face-Off Tournament next year, and then for the 2026 Winter Olympics. Garin, a three-time Olympian himself, had been chosen as the Olympic GM for the 2022 Games, but stepped back after the NHL chose not to permit its players from participating. Speaking of North American professionals participating in the Games, The Athletic reported that MLB owners are increasingly supportive of its athletes taking part in LA 28. Casey Wasserman spoke at the owners' meeting and reportedly indicated the Olympic baseball tournament might be played over only five or six days and would coincide over the typically scheduled All-Star break, minimizing the disruption to the regular schedule. Commissioner Rob Manford, however, spoke later and noted in his remarks that the logistics are tough, and he sounded far more skeptical than that prior report would have you believe. Just as my SBJ colleagues wrote two summers ago about baseball's youth movement, and how the average fan attending MLB games was younger than widely assumed, Manford shared the data point that tickets sold to those in the 18-35 to demographic were up 10% over the last four years, and that the median ticket age has declined six years, from 51 to 45, since 2019. We also saw a bit of stadium news. The Cleveland Browns are exploring potential sites beyond downtown, according to local reports, especially one from a Northeast Ohio transportation site. 
It cited sources that the Haslam Sports Group has a contract to buy 176 acres near the Cleveland's Hopkins International Airport. That prompted a response from the Cleveland Browns Senior Vice President of Communications, Peter John Baptiste, who in a statement said, We've been clear in how complex future stadium planning can be. He added that the club is methodically looking at every possibility. The Chicago White Sox released renderings of a riverfront South Loop Park that would keep the team in the city as part of a mixed-use development, with housing built alongside it. Ted Leonsis responded to criticism of his Northern Virginia arena plan, saying he was surprised by the outrage on social media, but emphasized that the tight confines of the space around Capital One Arena make it very hard to expand. All right, if you've made it thus far, you might as well hear my Super Bowl picks. Chiefs 23, 49ers 13, Mahomes is MVP again, and a record audience of 117 million. Tune in. Enjoy the game, and we'll see you back here next week.